0: Return of KISS. The
1: Return of Kiss. Don't miss the Return of Kiss. It's the album you've waited two years to hear. Kiss Dynasty. It's the hot new, all-new album from Casablanca, Kiss
0: Dynasty.
2: Welcome to the I Am Vinyl Podcast. My name is Pete LaRussa and I'd like to thank you for tuning in here at cnjradio.com, or if you're a subscriber via Apple Podcasts. After over seven months since Part 3 was recorded, today's episode is Part 4 of the I Am Vinyl Podcast roundtable discussions about my all-time favorite band, Kiss. 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 On this episode we're discussing two albums that were released by KISS in 1979 and 1980, Dynasty and Unmasked. Since the pandemic had forced us to postpone getting together at my house to record these roundtable discussions for a while, we decided to start gathering on Zoom to have and record our roundtable discussions moving forward. With that said, I've assembled the entire KISS roundtable team as heard through parts one through three. Ron Valdez, Mike Scandato from the bands Inhuman and The Last Stand, and from the Necromaniacs podcast, Joe Malazzo, and Tommy Lombardozzi from the Jacked Kirby and The Hoof podcasts. We recently recorded this discussion on October 15th, 2020. On the same night, we recorded our discussion about Eddie Van Halen for our recently released tribute episode. And now, without any further ado, let's get to our first discussion with the KISS Roundtable team about the album Dynasty. And I'll be back to introduce the music that will be played following this segment. On the air? okay? (laughs) A little Ed Norton there for you, Tommy.
3: Yeah, I got it.
2: So welcome back, guys. It's been quite a while since our last gathering. And so after this seven-month break in between parts three and four... We're now gonna take on KISS in 1979 and 1980 with the albums Dynasty and Unmasked. Let's get started immediately with Dynasty and I'll go through the album notes. Dynasty was released on May 23rd, 1979. The album producer is Vinnie Poncia. The album was recorded at Electric Lady Studios and the record plant in New York City. The album design was from Howard Marks Advertising once again. And the singles released were I Was Made For Loving You, released on May 10th, 1979, which peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart. That was followed by Sure Know Something, which was released on September 30th, 1979. And that peaked at number 47 on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart. The album is currently certified platinum as of now. And the album peaked Mm. at number 9 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums Chart. Dynasty would come with a poster inside of the album cover. Besides the two singles that were released for "I Was Made for Loving You" and "Sure Know Something," there were also two extended remixes released. One for "I Was Made for Loving You," which was seven minutes and fifty-five seconds. Yeah. And, and "Dirty Living" was given an extended remix release, but mostly overseas. If, if anything, it was all overseas because I don't. Yeah, oh, I gotta
3: I, hear
0: that. Yeah, I gotta hear I,
2: that.
1: Yeah,
3: I'm, That's my jam. It.
1: Dirty Send living. us MP3s, please. I will. That song has a confessional aspect to it because, yeah, I can't wait any longer to yeah. set myself free, and then he's out. Mm. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you ever hear uh, John Lennon talk about the song "Help," you know how you know it was masked in this pop song, but he's kind of there's like a genuine kind of plea for help in the song. There's something going on with "Dirty Living," I think. I mean, it's the prototypical. Yeah. The lyrics are just like Peter Chris's fucking life, you know, like just street, oh, yeah. That's why I like drug.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only thing is, is I I think the song is was a few years old by then. But yeah, he probably he probably did you know restructure the lyrics to to be more based on what he was currently dealing with at the time. I could
1: definitely see that, but I think the song was already a few years old. Possibly, but just you know, just a matter of when it was released. You know yeah, exactly.
2: That extended remix is 5 minutes and 56 seconds, so it's a little longer than the original, but just like the extended remix of I Was Made For Loving You, you hear a little more music that wasn't on the original single releases. So that's, That's a cool thing about them. Following the release of the four individual solo albums and the movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park towards the end of 1978, KISS would begin pre-production and rehearsals in preparation to record their first studio album as a band since Love Gun was released in 1977. While Peter Criss would push for Vinny Poncia, the producer of his solo album, to be chosen to produce Dynasty, this would eventually come back to haunt him, as it would be decided following pre-production and rehearsal sessions that Peter wasn't fully capable of delivering the performances needed for the album he had suffered injuries to his hands due to a serious car accident in 1978, which had affected drugs. the recording of his solo album to begin with, <laughs> and drugs. <laughs> As a result, Peter Chris would only end up playing drums on one track, which was the lone contribution to the album by Peter, Dirty Living." Future drummer for the David Letterman band, Anton Figg, would be chosen to complete the drum tracks for the rest of the album while he was a member of the band, Spider. Dynasty would eventually become known as the disco album, mainly because of the opening track and first single that was penned by Paul Stanley, Vinnie Poncia, and future mega hit maker Desmond Child, which was I Was Made For Loving You, which would become their last top 40 hit until forever peaked at number eight in 1990 from their 1989 album Hot In The Shade. Paul Stanley would go on to claim many times when asked in interviews that I Was Made For Loving You was written because he wanted to prove how simple it was to write a disco song. KISS would begin the Dynasty tour on June 15, Mm -hmm. 1979 in Lakeland, Florida, which was their first live show since May 19, 1978 at Magic Mountain Amusement Park while they were filming KISS Meets the Phantom of the Park. The tour, which would become their most expensive stage show to date at the time, would already show signs of what was to come in the future as the first officially booked show of the tour in Lakeland, Florida on June 14th, 1979 was canceled due to low ticket sales. There would be a handful of cancellations throughout the rest of the tour at venues such as Madison Square Garden and the Pontiac Silverdome. And some shows in certain areas drew lower crowds, leaving a lot of empty seats. On top of this, the band had purchased highly expensive laser effects, which were new at the time, to use throughout the creation of the tour which would end up only working a few times. Ah, God, jeez. The decline of Kiss's popularity had been accelerated even further. On Halloween night, Kiss would appear on the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder to further promote Dynasty. And while they were still on tour, one of the most infamous band and music related interviews to ever air on national TV, which was filmed two days earlier on October 29th, 1979. The interview is mostly known for ace fraley and peter chris stealing the show from paul stanley and gene simmons with their antics
4: now here are the remarkable members of kiss and first of all mr gene simmons who is the bass player <laughs> who is the bass player uh, mr peter chris who is the drummer mr paul stanley who is the guitarist and ace freely who is the lead guitarist i'm
0: not the, i'm the trap player <laughs> <laughs>
4: Now, tell how this started, you know, because uh, Gene came in and he said, I didn't know I played bass, and I said, well, I see Aykroyd on Saturday <laughs> Night Live with the, with the bass fish, and then you say the trout player.
0: I have to excuse it. Bass, bass. Bass, bass, never a bass player.
4: Never a bass player. When you see the audience going crazy, what goes through your minds? Do you have time to think about audience reaction while you're performing? I feel like I'm in a movie. I always yeah. get the feeling that... that you know, with, without comparing ourselves to anybody else, it's almost like the mid-60s, <laughs> like we're in a Beatles kind of movie. And w- we're not even playing ourselves because, I mean, when you realize that a lot of the people at the show have been waiting three or four months to come see us, and this is like the big night for them. And when you, when you see all these people screaming and crying and all that. Screaming and <laughs> crying? F- crying when I spend
0: all that money. <laughs> 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 all this money this, this it. is it. <laughs> yeah, he goes up to the air, he goes <laughs> up to the air, out here. True confession time. <laughs> true, true, true confession, confession time. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive <laughs> on the Tom Snyder program. <laughs> that was, you'll suffer in the dressing room. <laughs>
4: Tell me about your outfits. I mean, do you, did you design your own outfits, all of you? And, yeah. and w- tell me what each outfit means, and I'll start with you, Ace. Well, that means a cucumber I think rather. this
1: outfit is self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, this is part of a, a, a kind of a V-shape. This is my utility belt, and we don't want to go any belower than my uh, waist area, because that's reserved for concert. Players. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand that. But, and then and after uh, it's, it's all over, they say,
5: This, this is I what we came for. <laughs> and that's I always feel short for <laughs> I stole this from
0: Flash
1: Gordon, and, uh, you know, I have my cape. Uh, but
4: you're kind of like a spaceman,
1: huh? No, actually, I'm a plumber. <laughs> 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 on the side. Uh, Thank you well, listen, I got a little <laughs> piece of pipe
4: backstage I'd like to have you work on. <laughs> Tell me about it.
0: Are you? You <laughs> You,
4: <laughs> you, <up> <laughs> you all sweet talker you <laughs> but, I, but I'll tell you I read on the sheet that they gave me where they said that it's hard to get you out of your shell
0: It's
4: hard for you i very into burnt. try to cheer down I was just uh, talking with the uh, the gentleman and kiss uh, George and Peter and Paul and Ace about to <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want to ask. Oh, you George! Know. Oh, your ace!
4: George is not here. <laughs> well, how about here, James? In the
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 this is this is uh, the best uh, player. You uh, got to talk uh, about that uh, list right now. George, because
5: you're, you're not you're getting like away
4: it. with it. A lot of people, you know, have so many preconceived notions about kids, but the greatest thing about the success we've got now is that we're basically free to do anything we want.
0: Like this. <laughs> what are you doing? He's ruining your teddy bear. <laughs> I'm trying to make him a space bear. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> space bear. The only space bear in captivity. I got him, he's captain. <laughs> captain
2: Bear. Okay. Space bear. The Dynasty tour would come to an end on December 16, 1979 which would turn out to be Peter Chris's final show with KISS at the time until June 15, 1996, when the reunion tour of the original lineup began following their initial reunion for a few songs on MTV Unplugged in 1995. All right, so now that we got the album commentary out of the way, let's get to favorite track on the record. And I'm going to start with a man I know who really loves this album, Mr. Michael Scandato.
5: Honestly, this is my second favorite Kiss album. It's shocking to a lot of people to hear that, but the reason why is there's something very late 70s New York City about this record. This record sounds like a rock and roll disco cocaine sex party, and that's why I love it. It, Honestly, it does. I think it has some really amazing Ace Freely songs I think I Was Made For love and You was one of the best songs they I ever wrote. How about that? I think it's just a really kind of cool record that you go back to decades later and if you really listen to it and really pay attention to it, I think there's a lot of gold on this record. My favorite song on it is Sure Know Something. That's my favorite song. Um, I even love Peter Chris's song on this record. That's great. great. I don't know they talk about it, I love it. I fucking love it. It's kind of like it sounds like he was probably really drunk and high when he recorded it. And it just sounds like he's having like a blast. I don't know. I don't know. I have a weird affinity for this time period uh, for movies and music and culture. And I really appreciate the fact that some people think this album's a train wreck. I think it's fucking awesome. And it's their last awesome record. So it holds a place in my heart. Least favorite song. This was really hard. It's x ray eyes. That's my least favorite. And that's a good song production. I think this album sounds fucking amazing, especially now, like when you play it on, you know, Spotify or iTunes and I think it sounds really fucking good. So yeah, I dig this record. It's a fun record. Okay, let's go
2: to Ron. Ron, what do you think? What do you say?
6: I agree with uh, Mike for the most part. This is a great record. I saw them in con- I saw them do the show at The Garden in 79. Nice. It was like the day before my 12th birthday or something like that. It was pretty awesome <laughs> for a yeah, great wow. birthday gift, you know? Great. Um, as far as, and, and he's right, this is a really good record. Like maybe, you know, with all the stuff that's went on with Kiss in the future after this record, this kind of record kind of goes by the wayside in a way but when you go back and visit it, this is a quality, quality, quality Kiss album. There are so yeah, many yeah. good songs on it. My favorite song is Magic Touch great. Mm-hmm. Um, on this record, great 100%. Song. Yeah. Great song. And Paul Stanley actually bought that back when he did his uh, solo tour, <laughs> when he did the uh, When to Live tour, he played that yeah. on tour. And I'll tell you, the crowd went nuts and it really solidified, like, like it reminded me of what a great live song it was. He brought it, man. It was a great, great tune. But like Mike says, there aren't really a lot of bad songs on this album. The, oh. the worst song on it is is still good, you know. Mm. So, so my my choice for best song is
5: definitely uh, "Magic Touch." Oh wow! I just want to add, this album closes with one of the best Ace, like one of my favorite Ace Freely songs. Word. Say i word. with you. I, I love, love that song. An ass kicker. I love that song. So it's just and it's
6: very true, hard to, to pick a shitty song. Right. And it's kind of wild how this album became kind of an ace vehicle, you know? Yeah. Yep. Like, on his way out, like, this is like his goodbye kiss to kiss, you know? Like, a lot of his songs on this album are really, really, really good. Even the Stones cover is great, you know? Uh, Yeah.
2: It goes to show you how much they value how popular his solo
3: album was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He got three songs on the album, so. Yeah. That's unheard of. If they were saying wow, that album was really good. Let's give him some extra time. Or if it was because the other guys were so uninvolved, you know, like, or as a mixture of both, you know. Gene, they... Gene
1: has two songs on this record. Yeah, exactly. Make, that's, and that in and of itself is amazing. That is that's my
3: point, Joe. Like, is it because Gene was kind of busy, whatever, banging, you know? <laughs> well, we're all doing a lot of banging yeah. in 1979. Know? let Let's be honest.
5: Yes, they, they worked, all were. They were.
2: You know, everybody's had their say about Gene. You know, was he was he lazy? Was he just not bringing the material? You know, that that might have come down to a producer's decision along with the band. You know, he might of have... Of
3: course, yeah. I mean,
2: he probably contributed a bunch of songs and you know, Vinnie Poncia and the band just went with what they felt was best. And, you know, Ace was hot off of his solo album and his, yeah. song, his songs were good, so...
3: Because <laughs> yeah. it's only nine songs, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So, probably- like, you would even think that you know, that they couldn't even get 10, like five and five, you know, like it's odd that it seemed like there may have been a lack of material, which is what got Ace to have so many songs in the album. Not that those, not that his songs are bad, but it's just interesting that there's a lack of material, I feel, you know? Yeah. Which kind of, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but go ahead.
2: Yeah. Let's get to Ron's least favorite and then we'll continue.
3: This is a hard choice.
6: I mean, Yeah. yeah. It really is a hard choice. I don't know. I could say Charisma, but I love Charisma. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> Look, you know, I love that, it. I love again, that song.
2: Again, let's remember, it doesn't have to be a bad song. It just
6: has to be your least exactly. favorite. Yeah, I mean, the worst yeah. song on the album, right? Okay, worst song on the album, X-Ray Eyes. I, okay. I do like it, yeah. but it's but it could be the worst song on the record, because oh, there's man. no other songs to choose. It's a good record, man. It's nine solid Kiss songs. Well, you got uh, to, you, sure. This didn't happen again for Kiss. <laughs> You know, I mean, until I I like to, I like the '80s stuff Uh, with no makeup, uh, but like Animalize is a great record. But this didn't happen for Kiss again for a long time, you know, to have a solid record with all good songs on it,
3: if ever, if ever again, you know.
6: Definitely not. Certainly not right after this. Oh
1: boy! We'll
6: talk about that later, though.
3: On that note,
2: Joe Malazzo, what is your favorite track on Dynasty? All
1: right, my favorite track is Charisma. For sure. Ah, wow, all okay. right. That's the song that uh, I don't know. This that song kind of just gives me a funny feeling. <laughs> oh, this is song, it the body or the? <laughs> Want to know what that funny feeling? Is? Is down in my loins. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, almost human, or like when Gene gets really in his sleazy, down and dirty, sleazy kind of lyrical way like he, he's that the the title is perfect that song there's a lot of charismatic like just energy coming off the way he's singing it that kind of like ch- slow chugging i love the chorus i love that i love that you could hear really hear hear uh, paul stanley in the background uh, yeah. vocal like he he comes out really strong and i love i love like when they're sharing a song even though it's Gene's song like Paul comes on strong for the chorus. I like when they do that. Sure. I don't know, that song just has a lot of, uh, I don't know, it just has a lot of just weird, funky 70s energy. It's not funky in a groove sense, but there's just something about it. I can't really put my finger on it. And then uh, I would say, well, my least favorite, For the hell I wrote it down. I like it. I was made for loving you. I'm just sick of it. Oh. I'm sick of it. And it's a cool song, I can dig it. But if there's a dynasty mix, you know, that might be the one I'll fast forward because I'm just like a little tired of it. Although I I reckon, look, Paul kind of set out to write that song with uh, this mission, you know, like, I'm gonna write, uh, get on the dance floor, Studio 54 fucking dance track, it's gonna have a little kiss imprint on it and that's that's the mark of a true talented songwriter like I, i'm gonna do this yeah. and he fucking hit the mark on the bullseye you know oh, yeah. so um, however that being said you know giving credit where it's due like i'll hear the other songs before i hear that one again I'm just tired of it
6: it's the second kid song after rock Roll night that you don't want to hear anymore right it, mm-hmm. it has
1: that that kind of effect yeah and i i think you guys are totally right This album, for whatever reason, as I was growing up, it kind of got lumped in just because of I Was Made For Loving You and it's their uh, disco album. It's not really great, but I always remember being like, this stands in line to me, the first seven studio albums, just as much as the previous six. Uh, I'll listen to it and I I understand the sharp divide and "Unmass." I do, even though this and unmasked have some similarities production wise, but this album, it is great, top to bottom. I like every single song. If there's one thing I will say, and and as great as much praise as we're all heaping on it, I we have to remain cognizant. It's really the, well, probably the first album where it's not really Kiss anymore, you yeah, know. Right. And there's a lot of outside songwriters coming in. Peter Criss plays on one song. Like who knows who's writing with who and who's really playing what? I mean, this is where it really got like funky in that area.
5: Guys, I got a question. Is there any contention about Ace on this record and any contention about Gene's bass playing on this record?
2: I was just going to say that because Joe brought up that point about
1: things were starting to get really murky as far as who played on what.
5: I don't think Gene plays on
1: I Was Made For Loving You.
2: No. One of the saddest things about, you know, this being Peter's final appearance on a Kiss record at the time is uh-huh. he played on Dirty Livin' but the entire band didn't even play on that track. It's ah. sort of unknown who actually played bass on it, but a lot of people yeah. was, a lot of people think it was Ace Frehley.
3: Yeah. Mm.
2: As far as I was made for loving you, it is confirmed that Ace Frehley played bass on that song. Wow. Oh, uh, oh
1: really? Okay. It kind of makes, makes sense
3: because you know, the sound of the bass of the bass and the style of the bass is similar to yeah. on his solo album. Exactly and similar to the stuff he plays on Unmasked, you know? Exactly.
2: That was exactly what <laughs> I was gonna say. If you listen to a solo album, you could hear the little things that he does on I Was Made for Loving yeah. very similar. So Yep. Yeah.
3: Well boys, um if I had to pick favorites, I think I would pick one from each guy, you know, one from each member. It's really tough to narrow it down, but First of all, I'm not a, not a huge Gene Simmons guy. I feel like his songs a lot of times are the weakest, but I think Charisma is a great song. The lyrics are fucking pretty stupid, but musically and vocally, one of his best songs. You know, like, I love the way, first of all, this album I think sounds fantastic. It's the best sounding of the first seven albums, like production-wise, there's no getting around that. Like, it just sounds great, you know? Um, and Charisma, I think, is a well-recorded song. Well-performed song, well-written song. Again, lyrics might might be a little stupid, but just the 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 arrangement of it and everything, the background vocals, excellent. You know, so charisma is up there. Two Thousand Man, I think, is a fucking phenomenal cover, and it's oh, way yeah. better than the Stone song. Um, yeah, when Ace took it and made it a rock song, excellent. And it's I mean, it, the song itself is maybe a verse or two too long, but he just does an amazing job with it you know and you could tell again coming right off of his solo album like it could have been on the solo album you know and to have that here on a kiss album a stones cover is is really cool performance wise it's great playing wise like it's just fucking great anton is fantastic dirty living i mean we already you know we talked about that it's fucking fantastic peter that guy could sing you know and and exhibited on that song like he's just a great vocalist and a strong vocalist and just that guy could sing some rock and roll song. And the, um, the Paul song would be, as you guys mentioned before is, um, not magic touch, but, uh, sure knows something. Is that the name of it? I don't know the title of the song. I'm sorry. Yeah. That song again, great arrangement, catchy, super catchy. Like you definitely hum it, sing it, you hear it once and you don't forget that melody. And I think Paul, starting with this album specifically i mean he's always been a good songwriter but i think he's starting to up his game a little bit with with this album and the next album even as far as writing poppier catchier more succinct songs you know Mm -hmm. um so i mean those four would be my top four if i had to narrow those those four down it would be really tough so you guys could do that i don't care um worst song (laughs) It's either going to be between X-Ray Eyes and the one he sings. Yeah. Oh, hard, hard, hard Times? Hard Times. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, dri- I think that song, that song and X-Ray Eyes have great music, and but both have pretty terrible lyrics. But I give Ace the credit for kind of writing a personal song. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's kind of telling a story about his life and kind of, I mean, I don't really get it because at this point he's like, spiraling out on drugs and booze so i don't see where it's getting better for him (laughs) but uh (laughs) well
2: actually uh, the the song is more about his
5: younger days when he was in a kid yeah 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 yeah, teenager i'm gonna say like a teenager in like the 60s or something you know yeah
3: exactly and if you read his book like when he tells those stories about those times when he was a kid like, it, that comes out in the song really well. Based on that alone, I'd have to give exercise the thumbs down, only because the lyrics are pretty stupid. But musically, really good, you know? So that would probably have to be my pick. So I think we all kind of picked the same. What's yours, Pete?
2: So my favorite's on Dynasty. I have a few. My top favorite at the moment is Magic Touch. I'm with a few of you on that one. And then Sure Know Something, Save Your Love, and Dirty Livin'. I definitely gravitate to those songs, and actually, "Dirty Living." When I mentioned "Dirty Living," I probably listened to that extended remix far more than the one for "I Was Made for Loving You."
3: Hmm. <laughs> and that's a rock. I mean, it's a much more rocking song. You know, yeah. When we think of rock, rock and roll, like you think "Dirty Living" fits the bill more so than uh, the other one that you mentioned.
2: I, I think it's one of Peter's most overlooked songs while he was in. It's K- great. Yeah. It's really great. And my least favorite is X Ray Eyes.
5: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. terrible.
2: Well, it's not, just not, not like great. Yeah, not terrible, but not one of those songs that I rush
3: to listen to. Or that's exactly what I said, Pete. But
2: yeah, would r- rush to put on a a best of compilation. You know that that one wouldn't. Yeah.
3: That
1: opening riff though is really cool though. Yeah, mm. it, the, the opening cool riff one. of X Ray it kind of gets a little wimpy in the in the verses, but
2: yeah, I just think like the chorus is kind of weak. You know, it just doesn't uh, compare to the rest of the album. You know, it's kind of weak in comparison. So,
1: I was thinking before we recorded this how, like, on his Gene's solo album, he had radioactive, and now he's like x ray eyes. It's like he's he's just like looking at the back of like some like, comic book, like uh, radioactivity, <laughs> yeah. x ray eyes. Like, the next song was going to be like, I don't know, big, Nuclear. Red, rubber lips. Or <laughs>
3: Just for plastic dog vomit.
2: (laughs) So Let's move on, because you guys mentioned the production earlier. So now we are at the production discussion. And I'm going to say that the album is unfairly maligned for sounding too thin. It's like the same thing with Dressed to Kill. A lot of people say the album sounds too thin. My answer to that is, what the hell are you listening to it on?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially this album, because uh, I'm sorry to cut in on you, but you could argue that Dress to Kill sounds thin because maybe it might not be recorded very well, but this album is recorded really well. So it's a a choice, you know, like they may have gone for something bigger on Dress to Kill and it just didn't turn out that way. It didn't get onto tape that way. Whereas on this album, they probably got exactly what they were trying to get. I mean, people who like heavier rock songs probably want it to be louder and want the guitars to be a lot heavier. But I don't think the band and the producer, I think they got what they wanted because there's this recording wise, this album is flawless. Like there's, it's just a beautifully recorded album. Everything sounds natural. Everything is good. You could hear everything like there's no issues with the production of this album, you might have an issue with the, you know, that you might want it to sound like something different. You might want it to be heavier. You might want it to sound like a fucking, you know, 1972 Sabbath album, but it's not that, you know?
2: Well, there's, there's another really interesting fact about the album and being that it was recorded at electric lady dress to kill was also recorded at electric lady. This was the last album that was recorded in the original electric lady, mm-hmm. with, like all the original gear that Hendrix had used when the studio was built. Oh, Yeah. yeah so this was the, this was actually the final record recorded with all that gear
3: so maybe just vinnie ponce is a more modern you know like yeah engineer, well, yeah
2: I mean, you know neil bogart i mean vinnie ponce was you know he had hit records with ring Ringo yeah Star. you know he had a lot a lot of big hit records
5: before kiss so yep and they had more time to be in that studio in, yeah. in five six years later you know what i'm saying and yeah that, of that's course. you know better production values and better production, you know and more money. You know what I'm saying? They're not it's recording crazy. it in it five
3: days. In you know, movie. they're taking months right, to record exactly, it, you know? exactly. He had more Dress to Kill
5: sounds hard and rough, you know? This doesn't sound hard and rough. Dress the Kill sounds, you know, a
3: little rough. And that's, but it sounds good. I mean, it should sound rough, right? The, the beginnings of a band's yeah, career. Well, I love know? that. That's my favorite kiss. Yeah. 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 Yeah, me and Joe listened to Dynasty recently at his house and uh we were like, this is good. You know, <laughs> really eaten, eating chili. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs> drunk eating chili going, this is pretty fucking good. It's good. (laughs) It's like two in the morning too. (laughs) Good.
2: Good. 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 Any more thoughts about the production or shall we move on?
5: I think we can move on. Okay.
2: I'm back after the first half of part four of our latest roundtable discussion about KISS as now it's time to play all of the tracks that were most favored by the entire KISS roundtable team. These tracks were taken from the 40th Anniversary Translucent Green Vinyl Reissue that was released on May 23rd, 2019. So let's listen to these tracks as chosen by the KISS Roundtable team right now. From the 40th Anniversary Translucent Green Vinyl reissue of Dynasty, that was 2000 Man, Sure Know Something, Dirty Livin', Charisma, Magic Touch, and Save Your Love. And now, let's move on immediately to the second half of Part 4 of our latest roundtable discussion about KISS, as now it's time for our discussion about Unmasked and I'll be back to introduce the music that will be played following this segment.
6: That pesky photographer keeps trying to catch Kiss off guard. Ace and Peter are intercepted.
0: Hey, Kiss, look this way! Nuts! Then he
6: tracks down Paul at a restaurant. Tonight,
0: live, just Come on, shucks! But KISS has the last laugh. KISS
6: Unmasked, the all-new album on Casablanca Records and 6. KISS Unmasked, available at Budget
4: Tapes and Records.
2: So now we're going to move on to Unmasked. Unmasked was released on May 20th, 1980. Once again, the album producer was Vinny Poncia. The album was recorded entirely at the record plant in New York City. The album design, once again, was through Howard Marks Advertising. The singles released, Shandy, was released on June 1st, 1980, which peaked at 47 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. That was followed by Talk To Me, which was released on August 24th, 1980, which did not chart on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. And that was followed by Tomorrow, which was released on November 1st, 1980, which also did not chart on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart. As of now, the album is currently certified gold. That would be the. Oh wow! This would be the first time Kiss would have a gold record and a gold record only for one of their records since *Dressed to Kill*. *Unmasked* peaked at number 35 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums Chart. That high. So, uh, definitely a stark difference between *Unmasked* and *Dynasty* as far as how it performed. Just like Dynasty before it, Unmasked also came with a poster inside the album cover. Kiss entered the 80s reeling off of the Dynasty tour that had seen technical issues, cancellations, and low attendance in some areas, while dealing with a backlash from older fans from the beginning who were not in favor of songs like I Was Made For Loving You, along with the band attracting more of a younger audience thanks to toys and merchandise aimed more at children, along with the movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, which didn't do them any favors to avoid being labeled a kiddie band throughout 1978 and 1979. A conscious effort by the band and management, which they would later admit to. On top of this, the issues with Peter Chris were not improving and it was decided that the band would have to fire and replace him. On May 18th, 1980, Peter Chris officially left KISS and would pursue his own solo career, going on to release his first solo album, Out of Control on Casablanca Records on September 8th, 1980. KISS would go on to begin recording Unmasked, with producer Vinny Poncia chosen once again, and in addition to this, Anton Figg would also come back, and this time he would play drums on the entire album, including some double bass drumming to be heard for the first time on a KISS album at the end of Torpedo Girl. Just jumping in to clarify and correct myself on something that I just mentioned, this isn't actually the first time double bass drumming was heard on a KISS album, there was those little flashes of it in the song Save Your Love, which was just played earlier. What I should have said was this was the first time double bass drumming was heard on a KISS album for an extended period of time on a track. So let's get back to the commentary. Although Peter Chris had already been fired by KISS and did not play on Unmasked, he would still appear in the promotional video for the first single on the album entitled Shandy. Unmasked would turn out to be much more of a pop album overall than Dynasty, which was another conscious effort by the band to expand their audience following the success of I Was Made For Lovin' You. Kiss would go on to hold auditions for a new drummer, and among the many people who showed up, it was decided that Paul Caravello was the right choice to replace Peter Chris. First, there had to be a name change, and Paul Caravello became known as Eric Carr, who would become the Fox, replacing the Catman. After- Another Brooklyn boy. Yeah, exactly. After a humorous attempt at creating the Hawk character, which had been <laughs> described by Eric Carr and the band as looking more like a big chicken rather than a hawk.
1: <laughs> Chicken hogs.
2: <laughs> Kiss would introduce their new drummer to fans on the TV show Kids Are People Too, which was filmed sometime in July of 1980 and aired months later in September. Eric Carr's first official show with Kiss would take place at the Palladium in New York City on July 25, 1980, and this still remains one of the biggest Holy Grail pieces of footage that no one's ever seen yet. Due to the low sales of Unmasked, KISS would not tour the United States behind an album for the first time, but would still end up touring throughout Europe and Australia. The latter, which was captured on film and was broadcast on TV in Australia from one of the shows which took place in Sydney, Australia as The Inner Sanctum on February 14, 1981. This concert documentary showed KISS's huge rise in popularity in Australia while showcasing one of Carr's earliest performances with KISS on film. All right, guys. Let's get to the favorite track. Hey, I'm gonna start with Ron Valdez because he loves this album. Ron,
6: <laughs> I do. It's so good. This album is so horrible. Uh, th- this <laughs> album, this album is what ruined Kiss for me as a kid. Oh, like wow. I was, I was a kid and I had seen the Dynasty tour and I was high on Kiss. But you know what happened right before Dynasty and this album? Like, you know, Van Halen became really <laughs> big. The sex pistols and punk rock became really big in my life you know like if i'm speaking personally but also on a global level that that music just kind of took over yeah. whatever else was happening and kiss in a uh, in a desperate plea to stay in the public eye put out this piece of garbage this album there's I mean, this album really doesn't have too much redeeming quality. Like, I remember going into the record store and, like, seeing the album cover, and I'm like, oh, man, Kiss is back, and they have a comic book album. Oh, my God, it's so cool. And I bought it home, and I was, even at, like, whatever, how old I was, what, 13 years old? I was like, this is this is really bad. Like, wow. like is that you kind of, like, gave, like, a cool kind of, is that you opens it up, and it's kind of like a cool new wave kind of sounding Got a little
3: song. squeeze
6: to it. Yeah, it's got a little bit of dirt and and, it, and it's kind of like a, a like a fun song. After that, man, it was all straight downhill. This record, there's, I don't see too many. I, I don't like many songs off this album. Tomorrow is kind of an enjoyable pop song. You know, Talk To Me is a good pop song, but these are pop songs. I wasn't ready for Kiss to do this like mm-hmm. like we were saying. You know, Dynasty had the disco touches in it, but when you stripped away all the disco, there was still some rock, you know what I mean? There was a lot of rock in that album. Yeah. This album does did not have much rock at all. It was mostly pop songs. I'm going to say uh, my favorite song. I like Is That You and I like Talk To Me and I like Tomorrow. I don't love them, but they're okay songs. And like if I went to see Kiss tomorrow, like if they had a reunion tour and I I went to see them and they did those songs, I'd be pleasantly surprised. And they may come off better live now, more of a nostalgic thing. But those are like the three songs that I could stomach on this album. (laughs) Uh, She's So European is Travesty. Horrible, horrible, horrible. horrible. (laughs) Even Torpedo Girl, the lyricism in Torpedo Girl is, I think I wrote better songs when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> this is, it's its just not good. <laughs> That's my synopsis on this album. I like Is That You, I like Talk To Me, I like Tomorrow. I don't love any of them. And She's So European, Torpedo Girl, You're All That I Want, What Makes The World Go Round. These are not good songs. They're oh, just not uh, good songs. Look, what, makes,
0: what,
2: what makes the world go round? could have been a really big hit for like Olivia Newton-John
6: or somebody like that. Right, yeah, not Kiss. Yeah, right, right, right. Every
2: time I hear yes. that song, I, I I picture her like with a bunch of dancers behind her and like ensemble. Like, who's, s-
6: <laughs> who's that girl that sang, my baby takes the <laughs> moment. Right, like that <laughs> would have been a good song for her. Isn't that
5: she, Sheena Easton or the Manhattan Sheena Transfer. Easton. Sheena the Easton, guy.
6: there he goes. Yeah. Sheena Easton right. should have sang What Makes the World Go Round. Uh, I don't think Kiss. Okay. I, I think Kiss totally missed the mark on this album. I don't know what they were thinking. I just don't know what they were thinking.
2: Well, like I said before, they were they were consciously trying to make another huge hit record, capitalizing off the pop crossover success of "I Was Made for Loving You." Did they yeah, but that, but that a-
6: wasn't it. wasn't really pop. It was disco. It was a dance song. There's not a dance song on this record. You know, I, I don't. No.
2: What makes the world go around, Easy as it seems, they they kind of tinge. A little bit on like this. A
6: little, but a little it more. Po- it was more eighties pop. Yeah, early music pop. and it's, for sure. Yeah.
1: All right, Not Joe. What about good. you, I totally hear what Ron is saying. I can feel a hundred percent like lined up with him in one sense, but there's a flip side to my brain.
6: Two sides to the coin.
1: Flip side. <laughs> there's a of second the brain side to choose from. there's a second side to the my brain here kind of like everyone i guess growing up this album was like it was kind of like a no-go you know it was almost like the peter chris solo album which i could could never get into every like once a year once every couple years i'd come back to it and be like all right let's give us another chance and then it's like a fucking car that won't won't start you know it's like seized up Right. But, however, that being said, a few years ago, it's something just clicked. And I don't know if it's nostalgia because, you know, I'm a little younger than Ron and, uh, you know, I was about five when this album came out. So it didn't hit my radar until maybe the late 80s, until I finally got it, you know, yeah, or the mid 80s, whenever. But something about this record has that, like that twilight of the 70s hint in it even though it's Mm -hmm, a technically mm -hmm. 80s record. And I have a very weird analogy. Do any of you guys remember a TV show, Love American Style? Yes, yes, I I I do, of of course. I know of it, but never seen it. It was like, it was almost like a love boat type, you know, just like a fun romp. A lot of these songs to me sound like they could almost be like the theme song to like a weird like TV show, you know, just extended. Sure. But it just reminds me of being like a little kid. It reminds me of that going to my aunt's house and being in the back seat of my dad's car. It just has that late 70s sound to it that I'm kind of, I find myself as I'm getting older, more drawn to. And even though this is more pop sensibility, you know, I can, I can wrap my head around it now. I can, I can enjoy it now. You know, so that's my little soliloquy on on <laughs> <laughs> as, far as, <laughs> as far as my favorite song, I think is uh, Naked City. All right. uh, really?
2: really? Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Per- <laughs> oh, I would say Almost Hands Down is my favorite song. It opens up with a really cool riff. Bob Kulik was involved a- in that too. Was yeah. he? Yeah. I don't know. It almost sounds like a serious sound to it almost there's something like gene almost like really trying to write a you know a, a song that has some, kind, up, of, some yeah. kind of uh, a song with some meaning you know you know he's tried to do that it com- comes off really hokey i think this one <laughs> is nice you know my least favorite is i want to say i like all the songs on this record there's nothing i hate <laughs> although i can understand why somebody would hate him ron <laughs> but, <laughs> somebody named ron <laughs> and so yep, that's me and and just to add one more thing a lot of this my ability to come around on a lot of this stuff is because i've heard the other kiss albums so much not that i'm sick of them but in a way yes i've heard how many times am i gonna hear rock and roll over so i still have not made my way toward mid to late 80s kiss that may never happen so this is kind of like the last bastion of stuff that i was like eh, about that i can talk myself into liking
3: it. <laughs> it's kind of like it sounds fresh just because you, you didn't
1: over listen to it when you were younger. Right,
3: right. Like I'm kind of just reappraising
1: it out of just sheer uh, curiosity. you know.
3: I get you. Anyway,
1: uh, You're All That I Want, I think is probably my least favorite because it's just nothing going on with the song. It's It was tacked on at the end for a reason. It's Gene, you're all that I want. I mean, that's the, that's the least likely sentiment that he would tell a woman (laughs) for more than, like, five
3: minutes, you know?
2: All right, Tommy, what about you? Favorite.
3: Oh, favorite. This is tough. This album is not really good. I Unfortunately, I couldn't even tell you, like, so many unmemorable songs. And I listened to this album twice today, and I've listened to it in the past, and I couldn't tell you what tomorrow sounds like. I couldn't hum it for you. I couldn't hum it for you. I can (laughs) It's (laughs) <laughs> it's Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow, we're gonna fall in love. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds like my... a fourteen-year-old
1: girl's, like you know, wet dream possibly. Exactly.
3: Point is, that's the kind of material on this album. Is that you would probably have to be the best song on the album by default, you know, just because it it comes in and has like a, a skeevy kind of swagger to it, you know, it had it kind of it's coming off of the last album, but I also feel like it's a song that. Like I mentioned before, Paul's writing is starting to change here and you could see these songs morphing into what his 80s material is going to be, you know, like yeah. when he starts doing the hair metal stuff, uh, you know, quote unquote hair metal, like the genesis is here, you know, it's in this album specifically. Same thing with Gene and that's not a good thing, you know, like you can see that his it's just getting shittier for him. So by default, like I said, Talk To Me, I think is actually a well written song and you know, the lyrics are, are a little corny. Torpedo Girl, I think musically is really great, but again, the lyrics are not great. Torpedo Girl is fun, though. So Torpedo Girl or, or or the first song, like I'm forgetting the name of it, is that you? Like those to me would, would be my favorite, my two favorite from the album. Worst on the album, like you could just pick any of the other ones. I feel like they're all kind of... <laughs> It doesn't really matter, you know. She's so European, I think, would have to ma- be the worst, oh, actually. So Just bad. based on the fucking title alone, it's fucking super lame. I, you she, haven't seen the video to that? It's great. <laughs> no, I never have. Europe is, is a really? big
6: place, you know. Europe is a big place, right? <laughs> yeah. Europe has Italy, Europe has Greece, Europe has Spain. <laughs> what is he talking about? You're so European. She, what
3: she what has perfume, she eats weird food, she smokes a lot. Right, right, yeah. Uh, she Carry on, <laughs> Her Her and drink pink champagne, fucking Saint Tropez. Okay. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Like that's what he means when he says European, like some kind of rich twat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: So on that note, let's go to Mike. Mike, what's your favorite. This on our-
3: record has always been a
5: weird outlier for me because it was—it's probably one of the least familiar Kiss records for me until a few years ago. I feel like this is Kiss's attempt not just a pop record, but like a power pop new wave record. Yes, yeah. th- it definitely has new wave elements. Yeah. Yes, 100%. it is a but it is a bad but a mess of one. <laughs> oh. It sounds like it's it doesn't remotely sound like KISS. It sounds like other people's music that the guy that that the guys in KISS played, like the voices are familiar. Some of the playing is a yeah. little familiar. But it sounds like some alien entity gave them these songs. Yeah. Like they just heard the
3: Elvis Costello album and they're trying to like take elements from it, you know.
5: Now, kind of similar to what Joe's little nostalgia thing is, I feel like this the songs on this album sound like the songs you would hear in the background of the teen sex comedies. Yeah, definitely. Like Talk to Me and like this weird beginning 80s kind of like background music shit that's what this sounds like a lot of the yeah, sure. sounds like it doesn't have any like not a lot of like thought went into it i feel like you know it has some charm and naked city is my favorite song on the record too uh, Oh wow naked city is probably the <laughs> only song that has a slight Like oomph, like I don't know, like the riff, like the way it starts off, like it 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 has a slight nod to some of the moments of Dynasty, maybe, or or earlier, you know. But other than that, it just it almost sounds like like
1: Magic Touch. The opening riff is very Magic Touch. Yes, that's
5: why that's why I like it. Um, Talk to me. It's a good song, but it's it's not Kiss. It's another band that. They're like they're
3: performing. Like,
5: I don't know. It's very, it's a
3: yeah. weird record. But like, talk it's to so me if weird. that, if that was an, an ELO song, like you would not never, you would not bat an eye, you know? It sounds like it's the true.
5: Cars, this record. Most of this album sounds like bad Cars, bad cars. songs. Cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what this record sounds like to me. And it's just, bad Cars. Their, their biggest outlier record. Way more than a soul disco song to me, you know? Now, as far as, What else I like, like Naked City, best song for me. Is That You is a decent song. Talk to Me is decent. But as far as the the worst moments, man, Jesus Christ. She's so European is terrible. Um, I got to tell you, I think Torpedo Girl might be the worst thing Ace. One of the worst things Ace has ever done. I oh, like come it. on. It's so <laughs> great.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> like
3: his three songs. What makes so the world go now.
5: round is a bad song. What makes the world go round is a bad song. Yeah. It's just it's such a bizarre record. And I could see why the band doesn't like it very much. I know Paul Stanley does not like it very much. Um yeah, it's just it's like people, you know, alien invaders took over KISS and recorded this album. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Right. So, like, uh, the, like, the movie, like the Regal the... Beagle. It's like a Regal Beagle record. It sounds like you're gonna hear it <laughs> in the background of the Regal Beagle. I Wait, it, I'm,
1: now I'm not sure. Is that a good thing or a bad
3: thing? <laughs> I wish. No,
5: it should be a good thing, but this is Kiss, so it's a bad thing. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't have Kisses oomph. It doesn't have like
3: their trademarks. Yeah, well, I mean, Shandy is the lead single from the album, and that's not a. It's terrible, it's a terrible song. It's not a fucking, it's, 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 even as a, even if, you know, there are other songs of theirs that are uh, lighter and you can say, well, but that's a good song. Shandy's not even that. Like it's, it's a really trite, like (laughs) corny fucking song. Like it's not even the kind of, well, if it was somebody else, it might be good. It's just not a good song. You know, it's pandering. You sounded just like Paul Stanley right
1: now.
3: Did I? It's
5: a bad, it's a bad chorus album. Yours, my take on this. It's like a Cars record that they threw away. That's what some of this album sounds like.
2: So, are you settling on She's So European as your least favorite track? The worst?
5: I think that might be my least favorite. She's So European. Might be. Yeah. It's like you just said, Mike. (laughs) Yeah,
6: exactly. That's what I'm saying. Naked City, that beginning of Naked City, that little hard beginning, is the only hint of Kiss. Like if you listen, yes, like if you were to yes. listen to, like if you were to listen to Dress to Kill and then listen to this right after Dress to Kill, like if you never heard of Kiss, somebody handed you Dress to Kill, you listen to Dress to Kill, you're like, wow, it's a fucking hard rocking record, and then you put this on, you'd be like, wait, they're, they're Naked City, right? That's the only hint you get of any old Kiss is Naked City mm. on this album. The rest of it is just so weird. It's not a good record. It's. Just, it definitely... I think I made that perfectly clear.
3: <laughs> It definitely sounds like the kind of album that, like, technically you could, you could say there's only three members involved, right? I mean, you know, aside from side musicians. Like, it sounds like the kind of album that are three different solo albums, you know, very cohesive. Like, a lot of people say that about the White Album, except the White Album is the best album I've ever recorded in the history of music. But, you know, this album sounds like that, like a bunch of experiments thrown together without any kind of cohesion and because the actual band isn't playing on the songs it doesn't even sound like the same band you know so like it's just a mess you know like it's just a mess
6: let's just take the first couple of lines from torpedo girl lyrics right (laughs) (laughs) i thought i'd go out and take a swim today it was real hot and i just had to get away they spotted an unknown sub down in the bay <laughs> but i don't care think i'll go swim in any way what the f- who wrote this that's match? this so, is I, this could
5: be ace's worst song it, it might be it might he, be does he have a worse song than this?
3: it's <laughs> obviously written as a joke though i mean it has to be right it has to be let's take a dive
6: <laughs> torpedo girl and feel alive torpedo girl i don't let's know take a dive torpedo girl i think it's great but i knew when i was in the suds and swimming around but then all of a sudden i heard this rumbling sound far. i saw a thing that looked like a submarine with a pretty girl on the bridge what the fuck could this be pretty i don't know? I don't, know
5: I don't know could it be this is this, awful. It's just awful. It's just come on, like, get your it's, feet wet. This is skinny tie record that fails miserably. It's not a good skinny tie record.
1: No. <laughs> Look, he had rocket ride. He's like, okay, what do I got to do next?
3: What's kind of like a rocket? <laughs> well, oh a torpedo! Like- no. <laughs> it's a <laughs> rocket on the water. Oh, water rocket! Yeah. Ron, can you do like a uh, dramatic readings of these lyrics, on, like in, readings, in a video series? series?
1: Songs? Yeah, yeah, I'm in a video the
3: series. next
6: week. The entire Elder. I'm gonna well, do I that think, next week. I think well, that'd be great.
3: We get uh, William
1: Shatner to read these lyrics. <laughs> yeah, we got Go on. <laughs> on. Fuck William. We're
6: out for a swim today. It was real. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. I love it. Horrible lyric. I, yeah, I mean, the, the whole album was just kind of a big fail. I mean, we all we all know this, right? This may be the worst <laughs> Kiss album. Yes, 100%. In, in, of all Kiss 100%. albums, this might be the worst Kiss album. And they put out Psycho Circus, so this is a pretty bad record. <laughs>
2: I'll save that argument for another discussion as far as yeah. what's their worst album. So my favorites on Unmasked, and you guys won't agree with me on a couple of these, but my top favorite still to this day and in more recent years has been Naked City. Then I would say Talk To Me, and I am one of the fans who does like Torpedo Girl. I, ha- I have liked it for for a long time. I just like, I just like the, like the bass line. You know, Ace played the bass line on that song too.
3: Great music in that song.
2: Bro. Yeah, I, I just, I like the music. The lyrics are stupid. I mean, I'm not going to disagree it's the worst. but the lyrics, you know, the lyrics are stupid, but I do like the song. The very worst song on this fucking album <laughs> is She's So European. That song is garbage. Yeah, I, think,
3: uh, I think that's it. Production-wise, yeah. are, we, are we there yet? Yeah, we are, we are, we are at
2: the production.
3: It's side. strange that this album sounds so bad compared to Dynasty being the same producer and everything, it comes back down to that. Like, there's no cohesion, you know? You got different mm. guys playing different, you know, there's no band, you know? Like, there's not a band. There's, there's Ace and Anton, you know, recording their songs. Then you got Bob Kulick and Gene Simmons working together doing that shit. There's no linear thread throughout the albums, sound-wise, song-wise, playing-wise. So it just sounds like a mess. It's, it's not a nice... It's a harsh sounding album, aside from Shandy, which obviously has a, like a more sweeter you know, sound because they produced it to be a, this kind of single. But the rest of the album has like a, not a nice sound, you know? When together. On their own, like you take the three A songs, they sound fine, they sound like they should be together. You take the Gene songs, it sounds like they should be together. Like it's like three different production styles on one album, you know. Well,
6: it's all done by guys who are getting paid to play. Like, yeah, exactly. it wasn't a band at that point anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was like dudes that were looking for paychecks, you know. But
3: that, but generally, a producer would would kind of smooth that out so it all kind of sounds like one cohesive unit. But I think at this point, even the guys in the band were probably like, "Yeah, oh, we don't care, whatever." You know, like we're we're on the verge of breaking up. Like, let's but just get something
2: out. They, they were trying. They were trying to keep the the business, the organization
3: exactly. Together. And that's what it
2: sounds like, you know. And well, and then there's the other difference being that Dynasty was recorded mostly at Electric Lady Studios and partially at Record Plant. Unmasked was recorded entirely at the Record Plant. I suppose that has something to do with the difference. Maybe.
3: I mean, but there are some songs. amazing albums that came out of Record Plant, you know? Oh,
2: yeah, I know.
3: So it's not, you can't blame the, the studio. This it's is the guys one of them. involved.
2: like you know, I, I say Unmasked is another one of those albums where it really depends on what kind of system you're listening to it on. It could sound really thin. It could sound like it has some weight, you know, depending on what you're Yeah, I don't
3: think it on. sounds thin. I think it actually sounds just harsh.
2: The guitars are very thin. They're, they're much thinner, Most more than likely. They're much thinner than they were on mm. Dynasty. Would we agree <laughs> with
3: that? I, I don't necessarily agree with that. No? Huh? No, I don't think so. It's just a mess. Just a mess sound. That's That's... <laughs> The easiest way to kind of round it out just we a mess agree, we'll just say it's a mess <laughs> yeah yeah can we all agree on that <laughs> you know? no it's a mess
2: <laughs> well look there's, there's no question that things were a mess the band was was a mess you know they're, right. they're trying to keep the organization together and they're trying to meet a deadline to release another album for their label so and they yeah were caught, they were caught in a pretty shitty circumstance.
3: And it sounds like it, you know, it came out like it. And the fact that Peter isn't on the album at all, like not even vocally, it adds to this, the fact that it's not a Kiss album, right. quote and, and quote, and it, you know?
2: Like I mentioned I mentioned the double bass because how are you a fan of Kiss at that point? Let's say you were a fan since 1974 and you know, yeah. you know, you know the yeah. sound of how Peter Chris plays. How are you gonna try to pass off double bass drumming on a record when you know Peter Criss yeah. never plays double bass drum kit?
3: I mean, there's some great drumming on this album, even on some of the bad songs. And you know that Peter didn't do them. I like Peter Chris's drumming, yeah. um, he, but he's not a technically good drummer. He's a field drummer. He's, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's a good drummer, but he's not, a, he's not an Anton Fig. Like, Anton Fig can kind of do anything. Peter can't. You know, he's not that type of drummer. He's a clubber, you know? He's a swing, he's a swagger guy. Anton Fig is kind of pull off any style you know, any kind of fancy drum part that Peter can't usually do. And that's all over this album. Like, they're not, it's not even like he's trying to, all right, make it sound like Peter. Like, they're like, no, no. Do all your fucking triplicates and your fucking doodads and your paradiddles. and.
1: I I always assume that they figured more than half their audience is kids and they're not gonna fucking know the difference they don't care it was almost like uh yeah like a a kind of lack of respect for the fan base oh
3: definitely
2: yeah they they were were totally blinded by you know greed and wanting more money and more hits and just keeping the fucking machine rolling yeah they got obsessed with
6: it and surprisingly enough this album hit huge in australia
2: right right it was huge. Yeah, it was big. It was big on the uh, you know on the international markets. You know they yeah they had they had really big turnouts for those those shows on the European and Australian tours
5: because he wrote a I song about being European. <laughs> I have a question. What the fuck is a shandy? Yeah, it's a woman's name. It's an Australian it? girl. No, I get it. Long- I get it. But. Name a All woman. Right. Name a woman you know with that name. <laughs> no, I think,
2: I think I think even Paul has said that you know he he made up that name. He thought it sounded good. I don't know the full details of it, but yeah, Shandy. it sounds like a good
1: name for like a cocker spaniel or something. sounds like Shandy. Shandy, don't, Shandy. don't Shandy. sit on the rug. Don't just don't name, sit on the rug. I have,
5: I have three <laughs> dogs. I have three female dogs: Shandy, Rags, and Beth. Those are my <laughs> three, three female dogs.
3: <laughs> and and uh, yeah. I like in the first song, Paul Stanley is like calling the girl a bitch. Uh-oh. Uh He's going crazy. Well, real yeah, real, yeah, real aggression yeah, in that you know,
2: song. The only, the only thing about Is That You is, that's actually a cover song.
0: Is it? Yeah. Um,
2: the original writer, I believe his name was Gerard McMahon. Uh, I think he, he was on like some soundtracks in, in the, I think he was like on the fucking Karate Kid soundtrack later on. Oh, wow. Uh. But yeah, that, that's a song that was written by but he and Kiss, did,
6: Kiss actually covered. It.
3: Th- oh, they didn't yeah. write it together? I thought that no. they... Uh, I thought that was, it was the only Paul song Stanley on the record was... that's
6: not attributed to any of them.
3: No, that's oh, a, shit. it's a cover song. That's weird. I guess the thing I was looking at movie. was fucked up because it, li- it listed Paul Stanley as one of the writers.
2: He might have penned like some alternate lyrics and... Changed and re- the line, and line or something. Put himself as a co-write, but... Oh, part- shit. The original versions out there you could find it on on youtube i'm pretty sure
3: i'm gonna find it i'm gonna
2: yeah it's it's definitely interesting to hear i think the guy's like english too so there's like a bit of an english accent oh cool any other thoughts about unmasked
1: no (laughs) what about wasn't this supposed to be some kind of clue that peter was leaving like because he's like winking
2: or something the wink of on the poster yeah he's winking his eye yeah supposedly that's like a nod to the fact that he was actually out of the
3: band already stupid did you see in the in that video in the Shandy video where he's like he knows it's the last thing he's doing with them, and he's just playing ridiculous like mimey works, drums? Right? Like yeah. yeah, it's not not what's being played in the song. No, he's no, doing whatever want. he wants, you it's know. Really How awkward. adult? It's really awkward. It's like watching the it's like watching,
2: <laughs> the it's like watching the promotional videos from Dynasty. If you watch those for "I Was Made for Loving You" and "Sure No Something, uh-huh. it looks really awkward. Yeah. You know, with Peter, because he's just like you know he didn't play on the songs, and he's clearly not. Doing what's, what Anton Fig was actually doing.
6: I'm going to do what I, I want to do. do. Fuck that you. That Sure Know guys. Something video is cool, sure. though. <laughs> Fuck you. There's bro. a video for that
3: one?
1: A video for what? That like sure performance knows. video, stage video. Oh,
3: oh yeah. I got to see that. Yeah. yeah
1: oh, in... Sure Know Something video is great.
2: Yeah, they're on the Kissology DVD set. I don't know if the. Oh, yeah, the promotional video for Shandy is on the, the Kissology DVDs. Peter Chris is in that video, though. For Shandy. He's in the
3: Shandy video, yeah.
2: There is a talk to me promotional video out there, but it was, I think that was mostly for international markets. And that's the first time that they had Eric Carr in a promotional video.
3: Oh, cool. Eric so, Carr's a good drummer.
2: Oh, he's
6: great drummer.
2: the guy that made me it, want to play drums. Him, him and Peter Chris, but mostly
5: him. Peter Probably. Chris's official exit from the band was when? Peter's official exit?
2: Official they fired one. him in early 1980, but. It was official in early
5: '80. Okay.
2: In early '80, but it was official on May 18th, 1980. After you know he signed whatever his his, his contracts and however it was going to go, he still maintained royalty rights and he still had a stake in KISS right, until yeah. 1987 or '88. So. Wow, that long. Wow
0: yeah,
2: Ace, I think, left earlier. You know, he he let them have whatever, but Peter held on to his shit for a while.
0: Really. And then
6: they introduced uh, Eric Carr on. Uh kids uh people too yeah right that was like the original that was like the first introduction of eric carr mm-hmm. on the national stage
3: yeah well they, they actually introduced him this is our new drummer yeah. names eric. the it's interesting that the album unmasked is out and technically peter is still involved in kiss when he drops his first solo album and he says in his book that that's why the album didn't do good because Casablanca was busy promoting the Kiss stuff, and they kind of put him on the back burner and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, that's what he says, obviously. It could have even been unmasked, you know, like, technically. Could have been something called Sour Grapes. (laughs) Or probably that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what he says, you know, like, it. and but why not? You know, like, why would an organization based around one band not put their efforts into that one band, you know? They're going to put it into know. a guy that left the band, you know, like that doesn't make sense. They also sense.
6: had Donna Summer. I mean, Casablanca wasn't a, no, I a, know it. a small-time label.
3: Yeah.
6: Peter's just bitter. You could read yeah. it in his book. He's a, he's a bitter guy.
1: All right, guys. So
2: let's close out part four of this Kiss Roundtable on Dynasty and Unmasked. And the next one, which will be part five, is going to be solely focused on an album that we mentioned earlier. And it's just going to be an episode on music from The Elder. And we're going to come back with the next Kiss Roundtable discussion sooner rather than later, now that we're doing these Zoom discussions remotely from home. I'm back after the second half of part four of our latest Roundtable discussion about Kiss, as now it's time to play all of the tracks that were most favored by the entire Kiss Roundtable team. These tracks were taken from the 40th anniversary white with multicolor splatter vinyl reissue that was released at the very beginning of this month. And was delivered to me on October 2nd, 2020. So let's listen to these tracks as chosen by the KISS Roundtable team right now. Ah!
0: When I look into your big blue eyes, I start to quiver and shake. I get a strange sensation. When you walk by me, you strut around. You make me crazy. I get no relaxation.
2: From the recently released 40th Anniversary White with Multicolor Splatter vinyl reissue of Unmasked, that was Is That You, Talk To Me, Naked City, Tomorrow, and Torpedo Girl. As another KISS Roundtable episode has been completed, and as mentioned earlier, we will be looking to get together much sooner than we had between parts 3 and 4, and will be focusing solely on KISS's most infamous album of their discography music from the elder which depending on who you talk to they either love the album and have high regards for it or just outright hate it and think it's the worst album they've ever recorded so there's your little teaser for when we get together next time for you to find out on part five where we all stand on music from the elder and before i sign off for this episode i want to give big thanks to the kiss roundtable team ron valdez mike Scondado, joe malazzo and Tommy Lombardozzi you all make recording and producing these episodes fun despite the tedious editing that's involved in putting together episodes such as these and that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the I am vinyl podcast which i hope you all enjoyed and as always i encourage you all to please check out our other shows here at cnjradio.com the wrestling house show rock strikes 10 the synaptic empire Talking Rock, and The Last Theater. And now you could write to me at iamvinylpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you'd like to hear on the show in the future and would also like to see on the I Am Vinyl Podcast Network on YouTube, which you could find on YouTube under the name of Pete Larusa 28 spelled out as one word, or if you search for the I Am Vinyl Podcast Network. If you like my YouTube channel, Please subscribe and follow the channel for more videos to come in the future. And if you are just hearing this podcast for the very first time, please review and subscribe via Apple Podcasts. It would really help my YouTube channel and this podcast, and I would greatly appreciate it. So, until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to the I Am Vinyl podcast, and I'll see you for our next episode right here at CNJ Radio. Dot com 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 com
0: com, com.
4: Continue after these words from our sponsors. Did I blow you?